This is a Color Pencil Podcast, session number 169. Welcome to Sharpened Artist, a colored pencil podcast where we discuss in detail all things in and around colored pencils and the colored pencil artist. And now your hosts, Lisa Clow and John Middick. Hello, my name is John Middick of SharpenedArtist.com, and I'm joined, as usual, by my co-host, Lisa Clow of Lockery Fine Art. Lisa, how are you today? I am great. I am really excited to talk with our the person we're interviewing today. What's his name? John Ursulo. <laughs> okay. I thought you were just going to keep us all in suspense here. No, no. The, the guy. I'm, I'm excited. You'll have to excuse me. <laughs> yeah, no, I am too. This is going to be a lot of fun, so let's go ahead and get him on the show. Well, John, it is so good to have you on the show. Thank you so much for agreeing to do this interview. I'm very, very pleased to be here. Awesome. Let's talk for just a moment then about your path as an artist and what led you up to you know, this point today. Uh, just kind of give us some background, include you know, whatever details you want. Well, uh, I started real early uh, in life, about 11, 11 years old. Uh, I was drawing constantly, and uh, one of my uh, introductions to colored pencil was to ruin a drawing. And uh, <laughs> I, uh, I erased the face of something so badly that uh, I had to paste a piece of paper on top of it to continue. Uh, it was a present from my a present from my grandma because so you know, she loved it anyway. So, but my mother my mother used to do uh, paint by oil, uh, paint by number oils, and so I, I was exposed to that you know pretty early. Uh, and she saw that uh, that fiasco with the, with the uh, paper that, uh, and said, "Well, if you're that determined, we're going to get you some lessons." And uh, so she uh, uh, she turned to a, a friend of the family who was a, a prominent pastel artist in Massachusetts at the time, and hooked up to get me uh, once a week lessons, a couple hours in her in her studio. And very did cool. About, did that for about three years. Well, that's awesome. We had a good grounding. She was a she was a a, a, a classically trained artist, mm-hmm. and uh, so we uh, we didn't touch color for a year. Mm. It was uh, charcoal past charcoal and and uh, graphite and mm-hmm. newsprint and still lifes, that sort of thing for about a year. Then then she started introducing us to various color mediums. We ended up with oil. Oh, that's awesome. That's kind of how I ended up with being an oil painter. Uh huh. Wow. Very very cool. That's quite an advantage to have someone prominent mm, absolutely cool. absolutely it was a uh, it was a very good experience i, I didn't i never regretted I, I never regretted leaving a house to go good for it i always wanted love to go there yeah. so uh, it was a good experience um, and i kept it up uh since then uh i i kept doing oil painting through high school mm-hmm. uh and uh even when i was in the army i, I did painting uh, when oh, really? whatever, wherever we were assigned to Brought my paints with me and did work. Kept going when I was uh, off in the uh, civilian industry. Picked up acrylics along the way, uh, probably sometime in the 70s. Learned how to use those, which is 
somewhat difficult. I probably you probably want to know how I got into colored pencil, don't you? Yeah, how did you make that transition, or and what you know what time frame was that in your life as well? It's about mid eighties. Um, I, I got uh, I got a commission from a guy who was opening a restaurant. He wanted some ship portraits, and uh, he wanted it done a colored pencil, and I knew nothing from colored pencil. So I went out and bought a set of Prismacolors, and uh, I very quickly had to learn how to use them. And gradually, colored pencil started eating up most of my painting time. I joined Colored Pencil Society when it was founded in 1990. I was in that for about five years, and I couldn't afford to join anymore for a while. And so I lost my charter membership. Mm-hmm. But uh, I've, I've been involved in it since then, yeah, mm-hmm. except for a couple, three years, I guess. I'm just curious about that. I mean, why, why did that guy want those works done in colored pencil. I mean, that that's an odd request. <laughs> I, I think he'd seen some done somewhere. Okay, that's interesting. He, he, he didn't want watercolors. He didn't want oils. So he said, colored pencil. I said, well, okay, let's try it. Yeah. So did, did you do those works on paper, I guess? At yes, time? yeah. Yep. The watercolor paper, yeah. And that kind of, you know, you cut your teeth a little bit and you made some some pieces, you created some art, mm-hmm. and you got used to the medium um, with a commission, which is always a great way to learn um, if, you know, you're able to pull that off, uh, getting paid for it while you're doing it. That's a win-win. I guess I want to get up to that point. When was it then that you started, like, messing around? Were you using solvent at that time or was that, did that come no. later? I didn't start using solvent until, gee, uh... Sometime in the late 90s or 2000, I ran up against the problem doing a painting. Oh, it was 2006. That's when it was. Uh, I ran up with a problem doing a painting uh, I wanted to, to do desperately. It was a painting of, of a drawing, actually, of the side of a ship. As a matter of fact, the ship was the SS Venture, the actual tramp steamer that was used during the remake of King Kong in 2005 uh, my daughter worked on the movie uh, in New Wellington so we went down to visit and she dragged us to the key so that we could you know basically get up close and personal with uh, with the vessel that they used uh, took a lot of pictures and one of the ones was the anchor chain coming out of the front of the vessel mostly the side of a ship it was a cast steel or old ship just rusty as heck I wanted to do it get the texture on it you know and I was having a lot of trouble so uh, uh, I, I put my chemistry uh, background to work, and uh, I, uh, I said, well, why not dissolve this stuff? And so I went out in the garage and got the mineral spirits off the shelf and tried it, and lo and behold, it worked. So, uh, and that's the start of the snowball. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, so you still had some of that stuff laying around from your uh, painting days. and Yeah, that's right. And that was, uh, that was the second piece I had to accepted into the CPSA International, that one piece. And so when did you, did, were you using canvas at that time, or was that later on? I was using a canvas board, yes, made by Fredericks. Okay. It had a, a nice, smooth weave. That's why I bought that particular type, so that the weave didn't compete with the texture of the, uh, of the, the steel. Right. It was an interesting learning process. I, I mean, I, look, I learned a lot about solvent to learn a lot about dissolving colored pencils what not to do what to do the first thing you do is keep a window open uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah and I, I tried acetone and other stuff too and and uh it, that that was really bad as far mm-hmm. as ventilation goes mm-hmm. so anyway <laughs> right. um it's uh that's that started all that uh, you know 
and, and I started using it more and more. I, I used it more for accent type parts of a piece where I wanted a real deep color. Uh-huh, right. I started using more and more on, on my pieces, so now I'm using maybe 60% mm-hmm. color, color pencil with solvent. Now, my first exposure to you was I took one of the workshops, the mini workshops or whatever they called them, mm-hmm. in, I believe it was 2012, at the Color Pencil Society of America convention. And I took your workshop, and I was just blown away by the amount of detail, the level of detail that you had in your testing of all these different solvents and pencils and mm-hmm. And all how methodical you were, all the notes you took on everything, that just really impressed me and kind of uh, got me excited about using solvent myself. I mean, I used it before that, but not I, I, I wasn't really embracing it. We'll just say that. Mm-hmm. After that, I started using it quite a bit more. Good. And at that time, Good. you were you know you were doing everything on canvas, and yes, and so there's been a little bit of a, a shift from that. Is that right? No, I'm still working okay, canvas. Okay, still doing on canvas. Okay. About 100% of what I do now is, is on canvas. Which type of canvas do you prefer? I use uh, stretched canvas. I get it from Blick. It's Blick Premier. Yeah, everything's pre- pre-prepared. I, you know, I, I have stretched canvases in my life, and I've decided it's not my forte. So uh, I'm, I'm perfectly happy with uh, somebody who knows how to do it, doing it. Now, why did you move from the canvas boards to the stretch canvases? Well, um, I still use canvas board. It depends on what the subject of the piece is. Uh, the canvas board has a very, very fine, almost portrait linen weave to it. And uh, when I want something where the uh, where the weave is not going to intrude into the visual image, uh, I, I will tend to go to the uh, canvas board. When you're done with it, it looks like the, the canvas isn't even there. Now, basically, I, as far as canvas goes, I I, uh, uh, you know, I, I survey what's out there, uh, and I, I've got to do it personally. I, I don't buy canvas on on speculation. When I was in living near Seattle, I used to buy my canvases in Aaron Brothers. Uh, it, which is a uh, art supply store, kind of like a Big Michael's, that uh, sells canvases. They used to have a one for two for one sale every once in a while. Yeah. But I used to go in there and I used to uh, I used to paw their canvases, literally. And I would I would ha- I would have them open a canvas for me so that I could touch it because it has to have the right feel to me. It has to have the feel of a very very good watercolor paper. But I hit on uh, ordering a couple from Blick just. You know, for the heck of it, I ordered a couple of their different brands, and uh, the Premier was the one I liked the best. And so far, I haven't hit a bad one. It's uh, and I can get the sizes I want. The, the problem is, I, I tend to do the oblong, rectangular type work. You can't get those off the shelf. You know, you gotta you gotta order them special. So now this uh, this pawing around on uh, canvases <laughs> does that have something to do with your bearcubstudio.com um, website name <laughs> uh, I couldn't help but uh, make that probably uh, you know something like that uh, bear cub studio my uh, it, it, my family name is Ursulo U R S I L L O that is Italian and the translation into English is bear cub yeah, it's a very old name. Uh, I do genealogy, and uh, I've, I've come across references to a Roman family by that name in history books. So mm. whether they're relatives or not, who knows? But, mm-hmm. know, but it's interesting. Yeah. 
Well, at least it makes sense. There's some kind of connection there. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah, it's not just for cute purposes. No. Right, right. My, I set my studio up on Whidbey Island. Uh, we moved to Whidbey in 2009. Uh, that was supposed to be our retirement home. I set up my studio there and uh, got into a couple of local galleries, and I was selling extremely well for colored pencil. Hmm. My wife decided she wanted to move back to Boston, where we came from, and, uh, and to get closer to her sister, her only sister. It happened. You know, there's, there's, there's accommodations you have to make when you've been married for as long as I have. And uh, it, it happened. Sorry. You sound really excited. <laughs> you, you sound like you might be just a little bit bitter here. <laughs> That's about all I want to say about that. <laughs> well, well, okay, so it's kind of cool, though, because um, to go in this direction and talk about, uh, you know, because you were teaching workshops there, having classes, mm-hmm. right? And you were selling at galleries. So talk yes. to us about that. I mean, and it was easy to sell colored pencil work. Come on. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. It, uh, surprisingly, I was the only colored pencil artist in either of the two galleries. One was in Langley, which is a tourist town, and the other one was uh, in Greenbank Farm, which is also a tourist destination. And uh, I was surprisingly selling large colored pencil pieces. I did birds mostly for the, for the small stuff for the tourists. Uh, but I would do my stuff, which was you know anywhere from you know 16 by 20 on up, and, uh, for, and they were selling. You know, and, and, and the prices were going up and up. Any speculation as to why? Well, I think partly was the, was the subject matter. They were mostly from, from uh, the Pacific Northwest type of subjects. Um, I refuse to do tourist-style drawings, okay? I, I, but I will do things that around where I'm local that interest me. Uh, and uh, and these were things that interest me. Well, one subject was the uh, Deception Pass Bridge, which is a very famous bridge up there. And... Uh, so I did a painting of that. Most people do it. They do it from a distance, and it looks okay, fine. Uh, mm. I did it from a boat underneath it, mm. and uh, it was a, a very interesting uh, uh, aspect. And uh, it sold. It's it's called uh, it's called Long Way Down. Yeah, I was just looking at that one. Yeah, because if you look very carefully at the upper left hand corner, there are two little people way up there leaning over the rail. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> The, the, the road the road bed on that's about 200 feet off the water. Now, I bet that's real impressive to see these because they're so large and they're on canvas. So do you think that has something to do with the reason, you know, we're being sold? Um, just, I mean, not just the size alone, but I'm talking about you don't frame under glass, right? You have it just exposed out there. So I think there's a different experience, don't you, when you're looking at something I think so. And I was using, uh, I, I started moving away from frames to just uh, hanging on the gallery wall, the museum wrap, mm. with the with the edges painted black. And they seem to like that. It's a very immediate look. I mean, you see, you're not distracted by anything. Are you varnishing the artwork at all? Oh, yes. Yes, of course. What do you use? Uh, I use a, uh, a Krylon uh, archival series spray. It's a UV protective spray. Are you still primarily working on with Prismacolor? No, no. Prismacolor is only one of my pencil uh, brands. I, I have I have brands from all over the world. I'm a, I'm a pencil sucker. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, talk to us about that pencil collection. How many do you think you have right now? I uh, I'm very left brain. Okay. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, and and very left brain and cursed with a very 
right brain. Um, but uh, my left brain is the engineer side. Uh-huh. And uh, I keep an inventory of all my colored pencils because I match it up with the Color Pencil Society's Light Fast book. So that you can see which of the pencils I have are light fast and which aren't. Uh, and as far as the pencils in my actual working cabinet, I've got over a thousand different colors, different colors. And not just multiples of pencils. See, I might be able to say that if I counted all my duplicates in case I ran out. No, I, I definitely yeah. can't different colors. That right. is I've, impressive. I've probably got uh, 1,500 1500 pencils in my spares cabinet. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I, I did a lot of work on Whidbey, and Whidbey, you just don't go run out to buy a, yeah. a pencil, you know? Yeah, yeah no, that makes uh, sense. And then uh, there was no place in the area to get luminance and, or polychromos, you know, this sort of stuff. So, so you just got to keep a few of the extras on hand. You, know? you have a favorite? A favorite oh. brand? Uh, yeah. No, no, I don't. Uh, I, use, uh, I use the pencils for their strengths, okay? Some pencils do better than others on certain things. I have everything from Luminance, which is $4.95 a pencil, uh, to Prismacolor, which is starting to get up there, too, which is kind of almost the low end. I really like Blick pencils, Blick's own brand. They're made in Czechoslovakia or in Czech Republic. They're quite good. Really? Oh, what, what aspects about them do you like? I've not tried those ones. Oh, they're very, they're very buttery. They're, they're really? a really nice buttery pencil. The color is very dense. The pigment load in the pencil is very dense. How uh, are their so light house ratings? Uh, very good, actually. Really? Um, you know, they, the Colored Pencil Society tested them, and I was very surprised to see that uh, they had, a, uh, you know, the, the typical type of rejections in, in the certain color areas, pigment areas, you know. Uh, pinks, purples, reds, you know, these things are typical, mm-hmm. not colors that, that are light fast, and, and theirs weren't. But in my working cabinet, I, I've gone through and I, I've substituted the non-light fast pencils from some brands with pencils that I know are light fast in other brands like Luminance, for example, uh, or Pablo or something like that. Yeah. Uh, you know, like pinks. Pinks are terrible as far as light fast is concerned. So I've, I've turned to uh, Luminous pinks. So um, it, it works. Um, you know, we're talking to a guy here that does have an engineering background who is very analytical and does his own testing. You don't just take somebody's word for stuff, and that's what I, I really love. So you did some of your own testing um, yourself in your environment, and then you got to experience a light fest issue once. <laughs> I want to hear you talk about that. <laughs> uh, let me talk about the testing first. Um, yeah, I, there are some colors in, in the system that are, are tested by CPSA. This, they came out non-lightfast, okay, or very minimally lightfast. And one of them was Tuscan Red, which is a favorite of mine. So I, when I latched on to this uh, Krylon uh, UV protective spray, uh, they make a fixative and a, and a varnish. So I bought both of them, obviously. Uh, and I, I, took a t- I took a piece of, of watercolor paper and I put swatches down sprayed half, covered half, and put it up in my studio window for six months. And uh, their UV protection does. It did a really good job of holding the color on that Tuscan See, Red. That's that's a very interesting thing because, okay, so you covered up a portion of your swatch. Sure. And then you left exposed the other portion, and you've protected it as well. And in engineering, that parlance, that's called a control. Right, right. Yeah, mm-hmm. And yeah, you had to do that. You had to show it without it and with the spray, and then you had to cover up part of it so it never Yeah, you have to have the control. Right, right. Yeah, right. 
the thing that you're referring to, which is the horror show, uh, was uh, I uh, I hung a picture in the first CPSA uh, exhibit that I got into, which was 2008. It was a uh, 16 by 20 of some hydrangea blossoms, mostly pinks, purples, and blues, and uh, it hung in my in my home for quite some time, and and it gradually disappeared. <laughs> the only <laughs> The canvas stayed there. <laughs> the canvas stayed there, and the and the drawing was was there, sort of. Yeah. Uh, but it was a it was a uh, an experience to uh, be reckoned with, uh, and uh, it was part of the reason I I took all of the non flight fest stuff out of my uh, yeah. inventory. Well, at least it happened to you and not a buyer. That would really suck if someone had to come back to you with something they purchased. I haven't had a buyer come back to me yet, but. Uh, but because I've always used the spray on on the things that mm-hmm. I've sold, so um. and see, and that's the reason why the spray is so important. You've got to protect your work, especially if you're using right. something that you're not sure about the light fast issues. Now, I'd recommend not using something that isn't light fast, but you always want to uh, protect it and spray it if uh, if that's ever a question. And they make a UV protective fixative too. Uh, and so people who put things under glass who obviously aren't going to varnish something uh, can certainly use this, the workable fixative that's UV protective, uh, and it works too. So, uh. Yeah, I was paranoid with the ink tents. I doubled up on the UV spray and the UV glass. Oh, yes. <laughs> so far, I've been good. I've got one piece displayed that it hasn't faded yet, but it's only been a few years, so you can't mm. really judge too much yet, but it's also not in direct sun. Well, that's the best thing. Keep it out of direct sun, and also keep it out of direct skylight. Mm -hmm. Direct blue skylight has an awful lot of UV in it, and the and the UV portion of that does the most damage. I really didn't get involved in galleries very much until I until I retired. It takes a lot of a lot of time. My employer was not exactly that lenient. I didn't. I I sold on commission, or I sold on uh, just people contacting me. Uh, and this was back when I was doing oils uh, and some some colored pencil work. I, I really can't say because I'd not really uh, participated in that that kind of uh, marketing until very lately, when I was on uh, Woodby Island. Uh, since I've got, come here, uh, I'm trying to break back in, and uh, it's difficult here. It's much different here. the uh, The galleries are far more formal here than they they were on uh, the West Coast. Um, so, when when they when they say cooperative on the West Coast, they mean it. I have finally landed a gallery uh, that, that uh, quite recently, and I haven't really taken any work down. That's the uh, Salem Arts Association uh, up here in Salem. And yes, that's the right Salem, which draw. So uh, nice little town, though. If you ever get a chance to visit it, you have to jury in. They have associate memberships, and then you have a you jury in for artist membership. And uh, so I juried in. I had to give them uh, five pieces on the Internet and curriculum vitae and an artist statement and, you know, Swept through the uh, jurying process, but I got in, so that's my first one around here. So, well, well, that's congratulations! Good news. That's yeah, awesome. it, is, it is good news, very good news. I'm going to try for the North Shore Art Association uh, in September. Their jurying process that's uh, a little more rigorous. Uh, you got to you've actually got to bring the work in for the jury to look at. That's an organization that's got about 350 artist members, uh, and they, they, Winslow Homer was was an artist there. Emil Groupe, Charles Movali, uh, and uh, a number of uh, a number of high flyers were part of that organization. Really cool. Yeah, it's been around about a hundred years. 
Well, I wish you well with that, sir. That would be really, really awesome. Me too. Me too. I'm looking forward to it. So what advice would you give an artist just starting out? Uh, not necessarily just in colored pencil, but you know that would be nice if you got some tips for a new colored pencil artist. Uh, or anybody who you know is just wanting to advance in their artwork and in their career. Well, I would uh, tell them to learn as much as they can. In today's environment, with the internet and your site is one of them, uh, the uh, the uh, the self instruction material that's out there is is enormous. Yeah. And uh, and very very good for the most part. You got to watch out, but it is for the most part very very good. And with YouTube. Of course, it's it's come a, a huge leap forward in the past ten or fifteen years. You can't always you can't get away from the need for a, an instructor, okay? Somebody to look over yeah. your shoulder and slap you upside the head, you know. Uh, right. And uh, the uh, and loving the, way. Slap you in a, in a loving way. way, of course, of course, yeah. No, uh, <laughs> no. I would say anybody that wants to get started in something, get into the local artist organizations. Mm-hmm. They're uh, they're they're normally very good people. Yeah. Normally very good people. And normally very, very helpful people too. Right, right. And there are books. There are tons of books now that, that didn't used to be. Mm-hmm. When I first when I first started, the only colored pencil book was a, a colored pencil book by Bette Borgeson. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you probably heard her name. Yeah, I've got that one. Yeah, she she was one of the pioneers. And uh, um, I bought her book and I read it and I read it and I read it and I followed it and so and I finally got a chance to meet her at a trade show in Pasadena. I uh, I walked up to her with this tattered book and asked her to autograph it for me. And she kind of looked at the condition of the thing, and uh, and she said, "You really like this book?" And, yes, I do. And so she signed it, and we talked yeah. for a while. Yeah, really nice person, but she was the only one out there that was selling colored pencil books. Uh, but now there's just a ton of them. And workshops, great workshops, and art associations. Like I said, Color Pencil Society of America. Absolutely, if you're if you're into color pencils, you can uh, shorten that learning curve just a little bit if you just get a little self education. You know, yes, that's right. Trying to help yourself out. That's right. And there's nothing like persistence. Right. Right. And buy a good set of pencils. And buy good paper. There's nothing like trying to you know, use Crayolas on on newsprint. You know, uh, we that, were just talking about that earlier. That, that, that's a very discouraging combination. Yes, it is. <laughs> so you know, good materials basically. That's, that's that's the lesson. But good materials. Now, somebody wanted to, um, you know, if if they were just kind of starting out, maybe they've been using colored pencil for a month, maybe three, six months, something like that in that range. Would you recommend that they Try canvas, or that they just switch over to canvas. No, no. they need no, to learn on no. paper first. Oh yeah, absolutely. Paper okay. is the is the easiest way to get to it. Canvas is not easy to use. Uh, it's uh, it's um, you've got to you've got to learn the tricks. Uh, I mean, I've seen some people try it on canvas, and and they don't follow the tricks, and and uh, uh, and it, they they meet up with some real difficulties. Why do you prefer it? Um, maybe because I was an oil painter. Yeah, I just like it. Uh, pa- paper yeah. has never, never been my uh, my uh, uh, surface of choice. Uh, even when I was doing paper on color, pe- color pencil on paper, I wasn't mm-hmm. too crazy about it. I, t- I tend to, I tend to bear down too much on a on a sheet of colored pa- uh, colored pencil paper. Yeah, uh, and uh, I can bear down, bear down on canvas and be brutal with it, and still. You know, still not get destroyed by it. Yeah. Um, 
So I, I like canvas. Uh, I like the way it looks. I like the way it hangs. Uh, the uh, the way it looks in a gallery when it's uh, when you know uh, people walk up to a piece of mine in the gallery, okay, and I've, I'll be sitting there clerking that day, and they'll walk around and look at stuff, and they'll look at my pieces, and they'll come back to them, and one lady will say to the other one, "How the hell does he do that?" <laughs> yeah. And, and so I I explain, and uh, and they're they're really impressed by it. But it has a look to it. I, I very much, I very much like the old masters, and the way they painted. Um, I, I am very much in favor of glazing, learning how to glaze, mm-hmm. and uh, using um, solvent and colored pencil on canvas allows you to do that. Mm-hmm. So you can you can essentially make it look like a, an old master's oil painting if you want to. So you're spraying in between your layers. Yes, I got to a certain point where where I do a spray of fixative. You go on top of it with either more colored pencil or watercolor pencil. And of course, the watercolor pencil being mostly transparent will float on top of that fixative and give you the glaze. And then you're that that's really cool. So okay, so like shadows and things like that, I guess. Yeah, mostly for shadows. I, I started out that way when that, that one ship picture I was talking about. The side of the ship was full of rivets. And full of this this weird uh, cast steel texture, and an anchor chain, and a rope, and a bunch of other stuff. And if I tried to do that with the shadows by using just different shades of colored pencil, it would have been far more difficult than the way I did it, which was put fixative on it, and then come over with a with a shadow uh, using uh, I think it was intense dusky purple, and uh, just it just just worked, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that that kind of got me hooked too. Anything that's easy and works is great. I'm with you on that one. Yeah. There's no sense in making it more difficult than it is. Yeah, definitely. It's difficult enough. That's an interesting process. Uh, thanks for sharing that. That's that's really cool. really appreciate you coming on, John. And if uh, you're listening today, I would highly encourage you to go over to bearcubstudio.com. Don't worry. We take all those notes for you. It'll be in the show notes, and you can click on the link and just feast your eyes on all of this artwork that John has uh, made available here on his website. It's just fabulous stuff really impressive especially this colored pencil gallery and just see what is possible with these large colored pencil works that he's done through these years i really just get lost in all of this it's really quite impressive thank you well john thanks so much for coming on today really appreciate it and do you have any anything that else that you want to cover before we go um no nothing specific you uh, you hit it pretty much all i just uh, would like to encourage people to uh Get into it. Get into art. And, uh, you know, if you do color pencil, fine. If you don't do color pencil, start watercolors. Start oils, you know. I find colored pencils to be a very meditative medium. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, my favorite thing is to listen to audiobooks as I work. Uh, and some of them are pretty deep cl- deep classics. The uh, uh, And it, it's just a very meditative experience. Uh, art is in general, but color pencil because... It's so slow is even more so. So if you want to relax, do some art. That's for sure. On my website, I have a, a publications page. There are a number of publications that I've been written up in or have written in, and there are several there that you can get copies of. What I offer specifically, I, I, I publish my study guides that uh, I've put together for workshops, and uh, they're on the website on the publications. Uh, all you have to do is put a comment on there and say you want one. 
and uh, I'm, I'll public, I'll send it off to you, or I'll send you the link of how to get it. Nice. Yeah, and they're free. No, there's no charge. Awesome. And I'm working on, I'm currently working on a, a rather extensive study guide on color pencil on canvas. A little more in depth than what's uh, what's in there right now. Oh, I'm looking forward to that one. So am I. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. All right. Thanks, John. And thank you for making that available as well. Certainly. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on today and appreciate you uh, just talking about, you know, your story and what led you to uh, start creating colored pencil on canvas. Appreciate John that. And Lisa, thank you very much, both of you. It's been so nice to meet you. And have a colorful day. <laughs> you right. too. Thanks. All right, so this was a lot of fun, and if you are interested in learning more about John and his art and looking at the images that we were just discussing, you can go over to bearcubstudio.com or just go over to sharpenedartist.com. We take all the notes for you, and we'll have all the links set up there in the show notes. And if you're enjoying the show, go ahead and consider leaving us a rating and or a review wherever you get your podcasts. And this is a weekly show, and we'll talk to you again next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. All the show notes can be found at www.sharpenedartist.com.